0: Hello and welcome to The Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven and you can download this podcast from iTunes, Spreaker, uh, Podfeed, uh, also the website uh, socialworldpodcast.com or just type in thoughts on the social world to Google. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Today I'm going to do two completely different things or two completely different subjects. The first is just my own thoughts on in a, in a particular um, subject that's been kind of receiving quite a bit of mileage in the airwaves recently. And that's the um, suggestion by Simon Bailey, the lead on uh, Char- uh, chief constable on child protection from Norfolk. And he's talking about many, many uh, paedophiles who download child pornography just to view it online and the so-called non-contact People who say they have never touched a child in their lives, but just consume pornography online. And he thinks that they should be effectively, it sounds like, decriminalised and just treated through the National Health Service with a referral for medical support and therapeutic treatment. And I'd just like to say a few things about that. Secondly, I've got a really good interview with George Livingston, who's a consultant and a qualified social worker, and he's had, oh, many 35 years' experience in social work, childcare, social care uh, sectors. And he now uh, is managing uh, an organisation, or as a consultant to an organisation called Nansen Highland, um, who is uh, based in the highlands of Scotland and named after the Norwegian humanitarian and explorer... Uh, Nansen, and many of you might know from his various kind of epic journeys. Now, Nansen Highland principally provides training for young adults with learning difficulties and related disabilities as well, and it's set up to train them and to assist in the training of young adults, so developing their own physical and mental capacities, so letting them mature as much as possible and supporting That journey. So that was a great interview with George as well. So there's the two different things today that I would like to do. Now firstly, there's that issue I talked about to do with um, the way to refer people for therapeutic treatment if they've been found to have downloaded child pornography. My own view is that the nearest thing that people can get to describing paedophile behaviour is addiction. Now, like many addicts, um, most of the stuff is to do with self-control, whether it's drink or substance abuse, gambling, whatever it turns out to be. The actual victim in these cases, in my view, is principally themselves, although there's an awful lot of collateral damage when it comes to family. But when you're down when you're looking at child pornography, in my view, there are two victims. One is yourself, but certainly... The child is the principal victim of this because children and the abuse of children is a necessary thing to happen before you can actually watch child pornography. So because it's a marketplace and because um, organized crime are involved, because there's so much money involved in abusing children and selling, selling on the imagery. If you are consuming this, even in the quiet comfort of your own home with a laptop in front of you, You are contributing to the abuse of children and therefore the idea that it's not a criminal act or you're not complicit in perpetuating a criminal act, in my view, is ludicrous. And so to take that person who contributes to the abuse of children out of the criminal justice system I think is totally... and utterly wrong and to to acknowledge the fact that they say that they aren't having contact with children again over the decades that I've been involved in child protection I know that more often than not people who uh, consume pornography and say they haven't ever touched a child are lying and obviously they may well be in families with children of their own and they need to be risk assessed as well as well as their partners, need to be assessed as to whether they're strong enough to protect children and do they know about their spouse's activity. Now, I'm not at all saying that therapeutic support to aid self-control is not important. It is, and it needs massively more resources in this country to help support that. And it may well be that therapeutic help um, to People who view child pornography can prevent an awful lot of stuff happening and can stop them and can control them. But like I said, to do with this different kind of addiction, the issue of self-control is not enough because there will be there is no cure for addiction. There only is control. And in this case, because the victim is a child or children, effectively, you need societal control, I think, as well. And so the idea of sanctions and knowledge of who's doing it and being on registers and and being aware of this person and challenging them regularly is very important to aid the the whole process of us being aware of who's a risk to children in the community. Now, cynics might say that the police were saying, you know, send these people for just medical treatment, Um, because there's such a massive resource issue. I I am fully aware that the more that we become aware of the numbers of people in society that consume child pornography, it is a huge problem. And, you know, there's no denying that resources are stretched to the limit in some places. But you just can't just then just sort of suddenly siphon off segments of it and say, well, because of this we're going to decriminalise it, or because of this, we're going to sort of put it on the NHS. I think what we've got to do is bite the bullet and actually transfer, get new resources, create more resources, more people, whatever, until such time as we can get fully on top of the situation and, you know, really address these people who are risks to children. So, in my view, this is a non-debate, and I'm really worried... That an awful lot of people who consume child pornography are going to slip through the net and be continuing risks to children even though they're getting support of some kind but not enough to make children protected right now i'd like to introduce you to george livingston and george as i said is this is a consultant uh, qualified social worker manager who's been involved with nansen highland Uh, this non-governmental organization based in the Highlands of Scotland and doing some incredible work with with young adults with learning disabilities. So without any further ado, George Livingston. Right, well, George Livingston's with me today and um, George is an independent consultant, health, social care, management consultancy and uh, he's got a long history in uh, working in Scotland in consultancy matters, social care, social work, child protection. I mean there's some lots of things that George has been involved with but at the moment and what we're going to talk about today is a special project that he's currently managing and that's to do with Nansen Highland. Now Nansen is a non-governmental organization based in the highlands of Scotland and they are, are they provide training for young adults with learning difficulties and related disabilities so It's an established project and George is in there developing a new initiative with them. Hi George, welcome. Good morning. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Nansen uh, itself, Nansen Highland uh, the charity but also at the same time, um, Nansen in your your work at the moment, what particular project are you involved with with them?
1: Okay well, Nansen Highland have been running for about 23 years. Um, providing services for young adults with learning disability or autistic spectrum disorder. And they offer, I suppose we could say three services. We run an education centre which helps young adults to get units of uh, vocational qualifications, helps with life skills, social skills, all the issues that allow people to live as independently as is possible. We also provide residential care for eight young adults in two units for those who are currently not able to live on their own and then finally we provide um, home support Mm -hmm. for some young adults with their own tenancies. Okay.
0: Now it's named after um, uh, the Norwegian humanitarian and explorer Nansen and um, do you know, I mean, how, what, what's the history of that? How did what, what was the work that he was involved with that's inspired this particular organization?
1: Well, Friedhof nansen did a lot of work in Europe uh, about he- helping people to achieve their potential. Um, and, and really, it's based on those same principles that everybody has the right to achieve the maximum they can, but acknowledging that some people need assistance to do that. Right. So it's what, very,
0: oh yeah. Yeah. Well, let's drill down a little bit. Um, Young adults, what's the sort of age range that you work with?
1: In the main, from 16 to 30, um, and that's within the education centre. We clearly wouldn't throw anybody out who turns 31 from a residential unit, and and we work work with young people who are older, uh, in their own tenancies. So the services are registered separately, there are four registered managers, one for each service, so they're defined slightly differently, dependent upon the needs of the individuals involved. Okay, Okay, well
0: let's go through it a little bit. Do you mind just taking these one at a time, the four services, and just, just saying a little bit about each?
1: Yes, I mean, there's there's not a lot to add to what I said earlier, but um, our education centre is based in, in Redcastle, which is on the Black Isle, a few miles north of Inverness. Mm-hmm. Um, a lovely actually, part of the world. It, it's based in the old railway station, a, a, a listed building. It's a lovely place to be. Um, and in there, we do a great deal of work. Um, young people do projects on photography. They do park part of uh, Scottish vocational qualifications, sometimes a complete qualification like preparation for the workplace mm-hmm. or um, and, and they learn about independent living skills, so they learn about budgeting, they learn about use of public transport, learn about uh, menu planning, purchasing food, cooking the food and all of those kind of things. So just a general education center and, and each person's program is based obviously on their care plan right.
0: and the staff where where do
1: the staff mainly get drawn from well we've we've a range of staff we've a, we've a lot of local staff but we also have quite a number that have come from belgium really okay. yes um the the director is belgian and he is a workplace supervisor for students from a university in Belgium who are doing their social work qualification um. and a number come across for placements and I think either four or five of the staff who've come here for placements have wanted to come back and work. And well, do that's, that's a good sign. Which is a very good sign. Um, we have a couple of Polish staff, we, we have a wide range of people. Um, so what that does is it actually reflects society, doesn't it?
0: Right, and that's something I was going to sort of develop with with you a little bit about some of the work that's done, because obviously the the practicalities you're talking about, the life skills, you know, the, the, the ways of supporting and becoming as independent as possible with people who've got challenges, such as sort of say moderate or severe learning difficulties, but also the interpersonal work that goes on, because obviously we all accept that anybody in this life is entitled to relationships. And entitled to the, all the things that anybody else, any other citizen, is, you know, would expect. Um, however, some do need a lot more support and a lot more advice given to them. Is that a, 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 an integral part of the work that's done at Nansen?
1: Absolutely. Um, it, it's, again, it's it's identified through everybody's care plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly the areas that we need and and in fact when I first went there one of the things that we did was reviewed the whole care planning system uh, and we've updated all the care plans uh, to reflect a lot of things about modern society and and to provide um, both if you like the professional care plan that's dealt with by the social worker or care manager or whoever uh, but also user-friendly care plans some based on on pictures some based on text dependent upon what that young person wants and within that we would identify issues about personal relationships and the kind of support that's needed and identify the person best able to help and support with that
0: right now you're you're actually been engaged as a consultant by nansen Mm -hmm. Um, but that's partly as a result of a specific project that was um, applied for, wasn't it? I, don't know if it? I can't remember, is it grant funded or whatever, but th- there was a specific um, piece of work that really interested you and them and that's why they engaged you, is that right? Not quite.
1: In- initially I was engaged because the director was on a six month sabbatical mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the board engaged me to act as interim director okay. for, the, for those six months. Um, And it was within that time I I identified a lot of tremendous work that was done at Nansen and I I can't praise highly enough the work they do with individuals, but what I saw was a complete block and we we did all this work in the education centre and uh, prepared people to move on to the next stage of their lives and the huge block was getting people into work placements or some kind of employment. Right, right. The the staff time, and rightly, is working directly with the young people where they are and, and they're working with groups of three or four so you can't take one away and leave the other three with no one. So there was a huge block and I identified that we needed to look at that and see how we began to move people on into the workplace.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, without identifying any particular person, which would, of course, be would be unfortunate and wrong, but can you describe a little bit about one or two of the sort of successes that you've had so far then in, in, in placements and so forth?
1: Well, yes, and, and, and they are only one or two, I have to say, because it's been a very small number, and that's what concerned me. Mm-hmm. I would identify, I think, two, probably. One, where we have a young man uh, with... Autistic Spectrum Disorder who is now working in a cafe in a business in Inverness uh, as a work placement at this stage. His work placement has been one day a week and he's done so well that they're going to extend that um, and hoping in the summer, which is one of the busier times in this business, to turn that into part-time paid employment. Okay so you know that and and that's tremendously successful for for a young man with a test autistic spectrum disorder to be working in a place that's busy with people coming and going there's a lot of noise uh and that that has worked because the manager of the restaurant has taken a personal interest in supporting and mentoring him
0: you've got to have that buy in from the and employer
1: you really do that buy-in is what's critical. The other placement I would identify is something that started as a work placement for a young man in a fruit merchant um, one day a week. It's now a half-time job and again he works with the same person, he goes out in the van delivering goods to greengrocers round about the Highland area Um, and again the driver of the van has a relative who has a learning disability so he had a specific interest but what that meant was that he, again we had that buy-in in terms of mentoring and support and that, that's where I began to think that if we were going to do this we needed two things I suppose. We needed staff time which we didn't have and we needed to work with people who were possibly employability specialists.
0: Okay.
1: So I had some negotiations with Bernardo's Works oh. which uh, their organization in Inverness works specifically on finding and supporting employment for those furthest from the workplace and I also worked with an organization called Health and Happiness which is a Highland based charity who work with adults with a learning disability And and, wh- and what I love about Health and happiness. Uh, I suppose are two things. One, they have a representative in every part of the Highlands, so there, there are people all over, so we can we can network this project widely, because we're talking about a massive geographical area, somewhere that's bigger than Wales.
0: I was going to say right. I was going to say that George actually, because that geography is a specific factor involved here, isn't it?
1: It is yes. But the other thing that I love about health and happiness is that their board of trustees is entirely made up of people with a learning disability who receive the services. That's quite unusual. That's real empowerment, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And, and I just love that. So I negotiated with both of them and I submitted an application to the lottery through the investing in ideas mm-hmm. uh, part and they have given us a grant for a pilot project. Describe that please. And that pilot project is called Making It Work. Okay. And what that means is that working with uh, Bernardo's works with uh, a member of staff who has a network of contacts with employers and who works on the five stages of the supported employment model. So it looks at vocational profiling, so, so identifies the kind of work that a person would want to do. It then looks at job matching and job finding, so negotiates with employers. It deals with job training and task analysis and that's something that we work on as well in the education center so so it's about preparation of the young person for the workplace and then train natural support so it's identifying that mentor in the workplace and then providing ongoing support for the employer. Most employment places fail because the employer doesn't get sufficient support so that's the critical bit. So we got a grant for a four-month pilot project to do this and we've identified five people in the in kind of Inverness and surrounding area and three people in Moore who are moving into the workplace and we're supporting them. At the end of that, an independent report will be written up by an independent consultant and we will be applying for substantive funding for a three-year project. No, well, just,
0: I wish you well on that, carry on, sorry.
1: But it just happens. that The time I was writing the application, a report called Education Working For All, Commission for Developing Scotland's Young Workforce, was published. It was done by Sir Ian Wood, who runs the Wood Group, one of the massive oil companies, on behalf of the Scottish Government. And he identified, in one of his recommendations, Recommend 33, if I can just read that out to you. Mm, go on, go on. Uh, career advice and work experience for young disabled people who are still at school should be prioritised and tailored to help them realise their potential and focus positively on what they can do to achieve their career aspirations. Now health and happiness work with young people with a disability in their last years in school. So we, we, we're, we're already beginning to work in that way and, and then he goes on to split that down into employer-led career activity should focus on promoting positive potential. Uh, public sector and other large employers should lead best practice by offering a proportion of work experience opportunities to young disabled people. And employers offering work experience to young disabled people should receive support from specialist organisations. So this report actually reflected what we were applying for. Which is quite positive, really. Which was very positive, yes. So we're working in line with things that the Scottish Government are now working on. Okay. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm very confident that we'll get some good outcomes in this project.
0: Oh, well it sounds like you are and it sounds like you've laid good foundations there and certainly with the pilot project having been agreed and you know, funded for this sort of first quarter, or whatever, I mean, it, it really sounds like things are on the move. What's the, the, the general impression at the moment that you've picked up in Scotland about services for people with learning difficulties, especially young people? Um, is it, I mean, obviously everybody would, could say you can do better, anywhere can do better, but in general terms, do you feel there's, there's a positive engagement with the wide community?
1: I think it varies in different parts of Scotland, Um, I I think in the Highlands we're very fortunate in that while it's a, a huge geographical area it's actually a small population base so that our networks are much more local if you like. I think it's probably more difficult in cities like everywhere else the finance to support young disabled people is being squeezed um, block grants have remained the same for the last three years, for example, yet costs have gone up. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't think there is sufficient support. Um, but I think some of that is, is down to a lack of understanding about the capacity that those young people have to actually work and work well. If I can quote an example. Mm-hmm. Um, an organisation who won't mind me mentioning them, McGregor's Industrial Supplies. They they provide cleaning materials and crockery to the catering and hotel trades. They have taken on, about two years ago, they took on a a young man on the autistic spectrum and they describe him as one of the best employees they have. He's there five minutes before the building is unlocked every morning, he's never off sick and he does the job, the way he was taught it in week one. It's
0: very a positive experience, eh?
1: Uh, very positive experience. And in fact, uh, I, I mean, the reason I like quite like to mention McGregor's is that they are willing to come and talk to other employers about that positive experience.
0: Okay. Listen, as a sort of final wrap up here, George, I mean, let's say, and let's hope that there's some employers that might even listen to this broadcast. So, who would you be looking for, how do they get in touch and um, you know what would be your message to them please?
1: We're looking for any employer really who's willing to talk to us and, and, and we're going out and talk to as many as possible as you might imagine but anyone who's willing to talk to us to consider Uh, taking someone on. I will be running an employer's lunch in February where we'll invite lots of people to come and we'll talk to them about the project and what can happen. Um, People can get me through my email address if I can give you that. Go ahead. Which is george.livingstone at nansenhighland.co.uk
0: Nansen Highland is all one
1: word? All one word yes. Okay. And my message to employers would be there are many, many positives in working with young adults with a learning disability. Um, I think what has encouraged me most in my time at Nansen, and that's been since the beginning of May 2014, um, is the absolute commitment of many of our young people to get a, a job and to keep a job. Um, they see it as their right, and I would have to support that. It is their right.
0: Of course, equal citizens under the sun. Absolutely. George Livingstone, on behalf of Nansen, thanks very much indeed.
1: Thank you, David. It's good to speak to you.
0: Well, there we are for another week. Thanks ever so much to George for joining me, and I hope that you got the details of Nansen If anybody wants to get in touch with them or offer support or suggestions to them for the work that they do up in the Highlands of Scotland, many, many thanks. Um, I also maybe ought to add on a personal note that I was delighted to be appointed the chair of Tameside Safeguarding Children Board this week, and it's a task that I look forward to with great enthusiasm and, uh, well, the people of Tameside I'm going to get to know. And from what I've met so far, they are a very friendly and a very encouraging and a very hardworking people. So onwards and upwards. See you next time.